Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell, and the misunderstood malcontent, Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation, founded to provide an alternative resource for trumpet, trumpeting, trumpet teaching, and all things trumpet. The WTF is here for you. Home to lots of cool things to help your playing and teaching, the WTF is entirely free and open to the public. So head on over to worldtrumpetfederation.com and check us out. And by Nathan Ost Etudes. Trumpet players, it's time to start playing better etudes. Introducing Nathan Ost's best-selling book, The Complete Ost Etudes for Trumpet. This is an all-in-one etude collection featuring his characteristic studies, lyrical studies, miniature etudes, and warm-up etudes. Designed to improve all aspects of your playing, double-tonguing, triple-tonguing, range, flexibility, finger dexterity, lyricism, phrasing, endurance, musicality, articulation, what is that? trills, and so much more. The book is available in digital format, PDF, and includes 84 recordings of the etudes by Cleveland Orchestra trumpeter Jack Suddy. So, go to www.nathanost.com to download the Ost Etudes and start playing right away. The complete Ost Etudes for trumpet, a must for any performer, teacher, or student. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up, couple things, and no offense. We use these segments to juxtapose, joust, and juggle information that we believe is important to joyous trumpet juveniles. Gentlemen, shall we? Each week, Warming Up is brought to you by Chopsaver, that perfect all-natural lip treatment created by the one and only Dan Gosling. So go on over to Chopsaver.com and order yours today. It's doctor recommended, and Joey likes it too. Oh, hey, Brian. Ouch. <laughs> That's the only non-doctor on wow. the show. <laughs> Ouch. All right, so Warming Up, I'd love to talk about single-tonguing speed as it relates to brass banding. Hold on, we nope. just lost Brian. We just lost Bill. <laughs> nope. He's out. I, this Bill topic is not out. approved. <laughs> so, yeah, wait, you lost both of us. A tonguing I'm fine with, but the whole brass banding, you know, you tongue other places. There are other places. <laughs> yeah. But so when I first joined the brass band, I was kind of stunned at how quickly people single tongue and how it's sort of ubiquitous in all the sections. And then when I was in, the UK for that year. Did you just say that it's both ubiquitous and everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, that's a, just, that, just checking. Totally. That's a very unique approach. Don't get started with me. <laughs> <laughs> I just had this discussion with my youngest daughter. Unique so, is not a comparative. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's through the whole section. And of course, it's required in, in all kinds of pieces. Um, and, you know, so. Sort of, the test pieces, the test piece this year, written by um, Paul Levitt Cooper for the uh, national championships, it was commissioned. It's at Bill's tempo. The piece he's uh, we commissioned from him. It's at one seventy, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I mean, I'm not single telling at one seventy. But my question is, like, what is a reasonable single tongue speed? Bill, you're not maybe not shouldn't answer this question. Well, I can't single tongue half notes. At when I was at, when yeah, I was in school, to say 92. <laughs> the opening of opening of pictures is a reasonable single tonguing tempo. Oh, I have to downshift to double tonguing in the middle of pictures excerpt <laughs> for the slurred eighth notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, when I was in school, like people, like the general accepted thing was like if you can single tongue at 120, you know, comfortably. That's, in the afternoon. That's pretty, pretty reasonable. And then if you could double tongue like down to one ten, I used to do Latin gigs till way past one twenty <laughs> when I lived in Miami. Right, that's late. Um, so then, um, is it possible to get faster? And then, I'll, and I'll just tell you a little story about when I was um, doing my short answer. Yes. Okay. It's possible cool. to get faster. Yes. Excellent. That's what practice is for. <laughs> right. So, do you have a system for getting for getting faster at your single tongue? Yes. All right. I like it. Um, and then my little story is that when I was um, in college, I could single tongue 120, no problem. And, uh, and I got to my do my doctorate and I was studying with Pete. And um, one week, I don't remember when it was, but one week, my single tongue went from comfortably at 120 to uncomfortably at 94. 
like within a <laughs> within a week. Like it was like I had a stroke. No offense, John. <laughs> oh wow! Um, wow! Holy moly! Facing Albuquerque. <laughs> so so Hand, now hands up to the southwest. Yeah. So so then I've I've gone through. You know, we did COVID and all that stuff, and I did the embouchure change, and now I'm comfortably single tonguing in the one fifties. Wow. Right. So it's been a pretty in the last couple of years, it's gotten a lot faster, but then pretty recently took a took a jump. So um, so I'm curious. So, Joey, do you have a take? And then everybody, even people who are not very good at the instrument, um, play cornet and can single tongue super fast in brass bands. Um, and that always until recently was, you know, just shocking to me. I had to double tongue the whole time I was in England and it was just silly. And everybody around me single tongue. Well, Crazy. what did you do to get your single tonguing into the 150s? So I did this um, Jason Solomon fast practice thing by adding a note. So I went at tempos that I couldn't play. And I did just one note till I was really comfortable. And then I just added a second note and then added a third note and then a fourth note. And once I got to five or six notes, it started to, you know, then I could increase the speed and do the same process. And after after a few weeks, I, I probably did 20, 20 or 30 clicks in in like three or four weeks. Um, and then recently last summer, after I made the change, the embouchure change and then the accident, but the embouchure change got my bottom lip a little bit farther out of my, out of my mouth. And I think it was just in the way, which is one of the reasons I did the change. And, um, and that cleared up some space. And now it's like 152, you know, in the morning is not difficult. Wow. Yeah. That sounds really good. So do you have a do you have a system for? Uh, yeah, I, I've talked to Jason about that, and I haven't I I haven't really used that an awful lot, but you know uh, I have found that the Clark book and a metronome do an awful lot of good. So uh, when when a, just on a, those a, four studies, or <laughs> wow, <laughs> my mouth was open. Um, <laughs> that are anything that you want to practice with tonguing, you know what, whether it's an exercise or even a short etude, you know, or even a longer etude. You know, find where it's easy and works and is comfortable. Put the metronome on that. Play it all the way through where it's nice and comfortable and then move it up a click. Because the other part, um, I think what Jason's saying is a great place to get started. And I think some other things are uh, either some short studies or some working out things are good. But then there is the part of can I do this for a long time? Yeah. So I want to be able to do this for a long time. So this is where etudes come in handy or long Clark studies come in really handy. And then I click it up, put it up one click and do it again. And pick it up one click and do it again. So if it's really long, you might do that five times in a day. And then you come back the next day and you can start where you left off. And then you just keep going. It's a slow process because you're trying to build coordination. You're building coordination. You're not going to build that in one day, but you are going to build it over the course of weeks and months. And so that's a much faster, much faster process than not doing a systematic approach, which takes forever because you never get there. Well, then you're, you're just, just hoping of... for the best. And right, that, exactly. that almost, almost never works. Right. But their, their, their process, this is the one part of that process that gets frustrating, is that eventually you get to a place where it kind of starts falling apart on you. So, you know, let's say for you right now, that's 160, right? Yeah, so sure. you, you, you get up, you're at 159, and it's okay. And 160, it really starts falling apart. And 161, it doesn't really work. And you, st I'll stay in that area for about three days and see, can I get over that hump? Can I get over that hump? And then I cut, I cut the tempo in half and start the whole process over right. either with, either with the same stuff or with different stuff. Yeah. But I, so I go all the way up to it and, and kind of knock on the door a couple of times, cut it in half and go back where it's nice and easy and work my way back at it. That's my system. So what you're saying is there's no easy fix. No, you're building coordination. No quick, no quick fix. No, that you're building coordination. Yeah, you gotta, exactly. you got to build that in. Takes time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Bill, what do you do for... Never mind. <laughs> next. <laughs> next. <laughs> what does Bill do? He writes an entire book where you don't have to tongue any of it. You don't have to tongue any of it. Here's what you do. You write your own stuff, and you put big rainbows over it, and then yeah. you just avoid the issue altogether. Actually, you have Joey put big rainbows over it. <laughs> Whatever. You don't pay an editor... <laughs> to put big rainbows over the whole thing. You find someone and you give the terrible manuscript to the point where they can't stand it and then they offer to <laughs> then they right, fix it for you. I have to fix this. Yeah, let I me need, fix this I for you. I need to make this look right. I do have I will say this and I know I shouldn't chime in on this conversation at all mostly because I don't care. Um <laughs> but <laughs> uh yeah, I, I 
I do have an exercise where I go sixteenths. It's a scale study, right? Up and down, four sixteenths per beat, right? Then down to triplets, then down to two two sixteenths, right? Then down to single notes, right? So you're increasing the the frequency, right? As you go. So in other words. Right then, see, I had to downshift right there. On your own example. But here's the point. And Brian, you, I sat next to you for how long a brass band would go in England, right? Yes. I double tongued everything you ever heard me play. Jeez. Well, it's very clean. I'm just saying, I never get caught. That's right. If you could double tongue well enough, right? Yeah, and that that's a that's a very very good point. Is that you should have uh, your double tongue and single tongue should have a large overlap. Yes, right? so that you never get caught in that that crack that conductors like to go to. No offense to both of you. Um, <laughs> hey, right, go take right at that, that place where it's right. just faster than your comfortable single tongue and just slower than your comfortable double tonguing. You don't want to be there. Right. So yeah. you should be able to cleanly double tongue slow, you know, well down slow enough into your single tonguing tempo. Yeah. So you can yeah. make that shift if you need to. Or just K-tongue. I sometimes I just K-tongue. <laughs> there you go. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's a need to go more than 108. Four <laughs> <laughs> at 108. Well, you don't think any tempo should be faster than 108. I love 108. I think it's yeah. a beautiful tempo. I think it's all encompassing. All right, Joey, what do you have for us? Please get us out of this. All right. I've got two things for you, but I want to start with this. Uh, uh, there's a new member of my family. My sister just became a grandmother, which makes me a great uncle. I do contend that I've always been a great uncle. But what I didn't, what I <laughs> didn't know until one of my students told me this is that there is a term. Now, you might think, well, uh, uh, my nephew and his wife, they had a little baby girl. Uh, her name is Emma, Emma Joe, which uh, I've seen pictures. I can't wait to meet her in person. She's out in Arizona. I haven't been out there yet. So I said, you know, my, my great niece. And they said, nope, that's your nibbling. <laughs> nope. And so I said, well, I don't know this word. And they said, oh, no, that's the gender neutral term for a niece or nephew. And so I looked this up, and it absolutely is. So wow. I've got a little nibbling. A nib which I thought was great. One B, N-I-B-L-I-N-G. Huh. So like sibling, but... Exactly. Right. But but for niece or nephew. But the next, right, next yeah. level. So huh. nibbling, which I thought was great. Well, congratulations on your most recent nibbling. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so there's that, which I just thought was a, a great, Man. a new word. I, you know, learned a new word. I like, uh, I, when the student told me, I said, wait, that's just a funny word. You know, I'm totally going to be using that just because it's funny. You, you essentially have just done a fancy. Oh, right. I might you've have done a, just done a, a fancy. You've done a vocabulary fancy. There I've you done go. fancy. Oh, I like that I've done a yeah. fancy using nibbling. You did. Yeah. That's great. That's All the right. way I see it. So there's that. But then here's what he did last week in my studio. I think we've talked a little about this before, that the Shires people have this Q-series horns. Yes, we have. And they have a studio sampler thing. So I called them up as I have a few students that are really looking for a C trumpet, and they shipped me out some horns. And so last Thursday night in our studio class, what we did is talked about how to try out trumpets. Oh, yes. And use those horns. And it went great. And I think it's probable, I haven't talked to them yet, that, that two of those are probably not going to be shipped back. I think they're going to. <laughs> They're going to sell. They're just going to stay here in Bloomington right. for my students. Yeah. There's some really good horns that they sent out. But I think uh, let's put this in the hopper, as I don't think we really talked about this, is we should talk about how to try out horns. I like it. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Because it's it on one of those list, things yeah. that my kids are like, well, yeah, uh, uh, well, uh, we've been to you know some of the places that have exhibits. And so yeah, you look at the horn, and then you play as high as you can on it, and then you look back at the horn, right? And I'm like... Yeah, that's what you can learn at those. <laughs> that's that's exactly what people do. Well, yeah, I just had a parent contact me and say, uh, you know, child says they need a C trumpet now. I'm, you know, where can I order one? And I was like, whoa, time out. <laughs> Hang on. Can get that just, on Amazon? Especially C trumpet. You just don't order that. Right. Like, you want to be able to try stuff out. And that's yeah. the harder part of not having music stores. There used to be right across the street from my office uh, a music store that carried a lot of pro level horns. Right. It's not there anymore. And most people don't seem to have that kind of access. So, yeah. yeah, you do want to be able to try stuff out. And then, well, how do you try stuff out then becomes the secondary problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should talk about that. Once you come we'll, back we'll up. put that on the agenda. Yeah. Put that on, on the, the list. Right. I like it. All right, Bill, what do you got for us to see? Uh, 
well, two things. One was a question, but I wanted to give a report if I could, if you don't mind. I, I, I yeah, how was I, Ohio? I spent a few us. days at Ohio University because I was doing, right? doing go Bobcats, yeah, doing the composer thing, and you know, uh, they're playing my new piece, trumpet were ensemble you, piece. Now, were you wearing a jacket with the sleeves, the patches on the on the elbows? On the, yes, I went a, full went on as a composer, right? academic composer. Yeah, but no turtleneck. Pipe? Did you wear a pipe? No, bring a pipe with you? I don't understand, of course. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, right. Just making sure you were properly right. attired. At the shake case. Look, oversized for the bigger right. score. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, but, man, John, you know, John Schlabach, great player, beautiful guy. Great guy. Great guy. And students play really well. And they had done already had done great work on the piece, and it was really cool to be there and kind of hear it come together. And also got to do a clinic on the book. Uh, which was awesome because that now, would what, been... what book is this again? Uh, this is my uh, in case you, my new book. In case you haven't, you have heard. a new book. I do have a new book. Yeah. Now, what's the title of this uh, book? Twenty six contemplative studies. Where would I be able to flugelhorn. find book? this book? Uh, w- Williamstoneman.com. It's pretty yeah. basic. Okay. Actually. Now listen, yeah. I- I'd love to get a new book, but like I don't want to pay for shipping. What's the shipping on this? No shipping. This is my gift. Free shipping. Free shipping. Free shipping. That yeah. sounds like a pretty good deal. Absolutely. You got to check it out. And right. uh, yeah, the students at, at OU were really thrilled about it. So I got, that was my sort of my first in person clinic on the book. And I played some and I read some of the poetry and we talked about the process. And it was awesome. And I took my bike and John's an avid cyclist and we got to ride out there. And man, they got a lot of hills out that way. Brian's <laughs> really, Brian just got tired. Yeah. Yeah, I got tired. We just, Brian just dropped out of the screen. <laughs> right. Just hearing that. that there was a hill. I'll yeah. get there, but I'm plotting. <laughs> uh, okay, so, but here's my question because I'm really, I really want to ask this. Uh, students come in for lessons in your studios, and I think I know the answers. Stand or sit? Uh, mo- for me, mostly sit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brian? Um, they do sit, but we also rotate it. So every couple of weeks, everybody stands for that week. Yeah. And we stand all the time. That's exhausting. <laughs> I love it. I like to so play sitting. around the room. So yeah. I, practicing sitting makes sense. Well, I wondered about, you know, like, I guess it depends on what it is. Like, if you're practicing ensemble music, you're going to be sitting when you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like the trombomundi method, really. We never sit in performance. We always stand. So we sit in every rehearsal. Every rehearsal. We sit in an order. Out of order. Out of <laughs> order. Wrong. Yes. That we're going to do in performance. So we can't possibly hear what we're going to hear then. Right. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, always it's all sounds, new. It's always sounds fresh. We're geniuses. Really. It works really well. Yeah. Well, listen, boys, I know you're excited about this, but episode 60 seemed like a landmark opportunity. It's, landmark. it's time for the return of Joey Jeopardy. Oh, no. Get out your cards and get those buzzers tuned up. No offense, Brian. <laughs> okay. All right, I got to find my buzzer. Hold on. Joey Jeopardy. Uh, this is, I believe, the tenth time we've done this across the two seasons. Let's see. All right. All right. Got the buzzers ready. Brian, please don't disappoint us. There's Joey. And there he is. Hey. <laughs> it's the one Joey sent to me. All right. Do you want to know the categories for tonight? Uh, the categories would help. <laughs> categories. The Zabadoo. Oh, God. <laughs> This is a category about jazz trumpet players. The Zabadu. A little nod to our friend JC. Nod to JC, absolutely. All right, the next category. Better lathe than never. These are questions about manufacturers. Wow. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that one. Third, because the show needs a little, you know, elegance. Uh, French literature. These are questions about expensive music printed on big paper. Category number four, you listen to me. Uh, this is a JC category. <laughs> Wait, this is, say that uh, again. You listen to me. Um, dot, dot, dot. Uh, top listened to trumpet pieces on Naxos. Naxos published a list of the most beloved pieces containing trumpet. Holy moly. And these are questions about that. Oh, okay. Man. No shot. Okay, we're already folding. And, and I'm finally, folding before we've even started. We're, we're folding finally, from the first category. Duets. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so before and after. Duets. <laughs> right. Deadly combinations. All right. Are we ready to play Joey oh, Jeopardy? Okay. Round 10. We're ready. 
All right, Joey, I'm sure that you won the I'm last round. I'm pretty sure it's Joey's I'm, turn. I'm sure that I think I won the last one, and I think that's what counts. Well, man, I don't know how we can stay away. I'm going right in Zabadoo for one. The Zabadoo for 100. This jazz trumpet player was married to actress Cicely Tyson. Wow. Oh, that was Who is Miles Davis? Who is Miles Davis is correct for 100. Yeah, let's stay with the Zabadoo for two. For 200, the Zabadoo. His cheeky style helped usher in the bebop era. Did I beat him in? Yes. Yeah. Uh, who's yeah. Dizzy Gillespie? Right. I use cheeky because I thought it might confuse Brian as a British term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was going to answer some Brit we've never heard of. <laughs> That's right. Tom Hutchinson. No. <laughs> All right. It's right. uh, Zabadoo for three. The Zabadoo for 300. For the whole category. Born in Wilmington, Delaware, but died on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. This jazz grade is worth being remembered. Wow. That's uh, who's Clifford Brown. Who is Clifford Brown? That's right. The, well, yeah. the J- Clifford Brown Jazz Festival is in, still in Delaware, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Zabadoo for four. The Zabadoo for 400. This famous jazz trumpet player was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, where as far as I know, there is no red clay. Who's Freddie Hubbard? Freddie Hubbard. You like the way I just sort of... I like the red clay. The red yeah. clay was good. That was you're, well you're welcome. done. Yeah, Trying to help nicely you. Nicely done. Uh, Zabadoo for five. The Zabadoo for 500. Oh, my God. This famous jazz trumpet player was born in Waco, Texas, but died in New York City at the age of 49. He won multiple Grammys. Oh. Sorry. No, I was just going to keep helping. Go ahead. I, I believe that. Who's Chet Baker? No, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I thought he died in the, when yeah. he was in his 40s. He, he won multiple Grammys for various types of music with his band R.H. Factor. Oh, he's from Waco? Yeah. Roy Hargrove. Roy Hargrove. Yeah. He, we share a birthday. Oh, no way. He's, wow. I think, exactly. Th- I mean, I know he's passed away now. Uh, yeah, three right. years younger. Here's what I remember. Um, coming home from college and having somebody that was still in high school saying, hey, man, I was at Allstate this year. Have you heard this kid out of Dallas? And I said, <laughs> who? Oh, my God, you got to hear him. Yeah, and, and I said, "What's it? Who is?" It? And I I didn't hear him then. I said, "His name's Roy Hargrove." So the name stuck in my head. It was a couple of years later. I was watching some, you know, Sunday morning TV show, and they're talking mm-hmm. about some young up and comers, and they show this guy who looks really, really young, and they show him playing. I'm like, "That's the guy. That's the guy I heard about." And he's playing. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that guy's unbelievable." It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Right. There's a great video. Wow. Just looks like someone shot on their phone. It was a trumpet summit thing with Fattis, and I think Terrell's there and some other mm-hmm. people. Maybe uh, anyway, everybody's just hammering away, and Roy is just being Roy, and it's killing. Yeah, he's it's a, so he's a, good. It's, it's a he's a tragedy. Uh, oh man, it is. We, yeah. we lost him so young. He, he's such a great musician. Yeah, yeah, forty nine years old when he died. Oh, yeah, that's not okay. No, all right. So we we got through the Zabadoo. Next category, Joey. That was easy. Yeah, it was. Um. I want to know what. Let's go in. You listen to me. You listen to me. For one. For 100. According to Naxos, the number one most beloved piece containing trumpet is. Containing trumpet? Any piece at all? Yeah. This could be classical literature, popular literature, anything. 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 Could be anything. Joey? What is Thriller? No. That has trumpets. You're saying it, that there's it, something on that list that's been I, bought or listened to more than Thriller? I I'm, I'm just, calling BS on this. I'm just saying this is their this is what Naxos reported. Is it a trumpet piece or is it a piece that has trumpet? It that's what it says. The which I asked you an either <laughs> or question, and you said that's what it says. I the object. Is yes, this the whole is line's yes. out of order. No, this is fine. It's the pieces containing trumpet. When you say pieces, what do they mean by pieces? Like compositions so thriller wasn't composed yeah it is but that's not the answer that's not what they say i don't well, i don't know what else to tell you this is what it said beloved it's, some, piece. it's naxos it's something classic it's naxos let's go class think classical it's naxos brian take a stab i'm angry um some wedding piece oh now you're thinking it's got to be a wedding piece right like pachelbel or more rondo or something what's your answer More Rondo. And he wins. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be filing a formal complaint with the commissioner as soon as this is over. You know how he does it. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, That's Brian, where are we going? Oh, 200. 
you listen to me for 200. A movement of this famous piece is now getting lots of attention as a recurring theme on Netflix in Joey. That'd be the third movement of the Hyden Trumpet Concerto. Oh, in man. Squid Game. Yeah. I see how this wow. is going to go and now. Are oh, you, how far along are you in Squid Game? I haven't started yet. <laughs> really? I have had a schedule that has been fairly relentless. Uh, right. So I, I want to get home and just watch some TV and it doesn't really happen. So there's other wow. things I want to see as well, uh, as long as we're here. Uh, if you haven't read the Foundation series that Isaac Asimov wrote a long time ago, they're amazing books and everybody should read them. And Apple TV has a series. They've, they're they're starting with Foundation. And I mm. really, really want to see that as well. That's on my list as somebody who's read all of those books. Cool. Okay. All right. So let's stay right there. You listen to me for three. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. You listen to me for 300. According to Naxos, this work comes in as the third most popular work for trumpet. Come for on. For trumpet? For yeah. third trumpet. Well, it's the same vein. The third most beloved piece containing trumpet. Think classical. You can make a stab. Go ahead. All right. uh, trumpet voluntary. No. All right. It's not Take it. A shot. Yeah, it's a good shot. That's, that's yeah. a good guess. Yeah. Brian, you have anything? That's a great guess. Mm -hmm. No, I got. It's not. It's not Haydn and Hummel, right? It's and it's a trumpet. It's a trumpet piece. Yes, it's a piece with trumpet. With trumpet. trumpet. Yeah, I mean, it looks what we've had so far the Moray Rondo. We've had the Haydn. I don't like this like, category. Like Messiah or something. Like trumpet shall trumpet shall sound. That's not it. Oh. No. You're both wrong. It's the Albanoni Concerto St. Mark. Is the third Come most on. listened to piece? Yes. I'm oh, I, no one was garbage. more shocked than me. This is the pro this is the problem. This is why this category <laughs> this is a great category. You guys have no shot. All right, where are we going to continue here and burn it out? Yes. All right. We'll go to that's 4 now. 400. Oh my gosh. This famous trumpet work comes in at 4th on the Naxos list and actually features not one but two trumpets. It's oh. over the plate. Brian. That's Vivaldi. Vivaldi concerto for trumpets. <laughs> well done. It's got to be something that everybody listens to and thinks is great. Yeah, I think and the cheesiest. Yeah, right. cheesy. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. All we're right. going to keep going. Yeah, for 500. 500. Out of the top 33 pieces listed by Naxos on their most <laughs> beloved trumpet works list, name the work that earned the 14th most popular spot. Come on. All right, I'm buying myself some time here. 14. Joey? So you're saying. <laughs> I don't think saying you can buzz in, then yeah, reason it out. Yeah, of course I can. I get, I get a couple of seconds. I get to, <laughs> I get to reason it out, so I beat him in. <laughs> so it's got to be a trumpet. Oh, it's a trap. Brandenburg. You're right. Oh, yes! my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a trap. Why do you think it's a trap? I thought you were sending a, a trap that it had to be something that, like, Valentin Snow was going to play. <laughs> or, or that was your way of getting Gottfried Rijka in. Or inviting her in. Or inviting her in. I'm like, no, I'm going Gottfried Rijka. Outstanding. Well wow, done. that's impressive. Well done. I've got you guys. Oh, my God. Rijka Snow and Vininger on the brain. I'm so happy right now. Okay, uh, what do you want? Where are we going next? Better lathe than never. Better lathe than never for 100 Manufacturer years. questions. Yes. Okay. This trumpet maker's company started in Tennessee, but found its way to Kentucky. Joey? Uh, that would be, who's Blackburn? That's yeah. right. Cliff Blackburn. Yep. Yeah. Started in Tennessee, and then Peter Pickett bought it, and now it's in Kentucky. There we go. Let's go to a better lathe than never for two. Better lay than never for 200. This trumpet whisperer started out on his own, tweaking horns, then did full conversions, now oversees one of the largest brands in the world. Who's Bob Malone? Bob Malone, that's right. Malone conversions and then Yamaha. Yamaha. And now, yeah, he's doing good work. He's, Bob that, Malone. That does great work with horns, yeah. Is Yamaha. Yeah. Let's yeah. go better lay than never for three. Better lay than never for three. Known for his masterful trombone work, he eventually revolutionized the trumpet world and engraved his place in history. Joey. Who's Steve Shires? Steve Shires. Yes, indeed. He's got some magic of bell spinning going on. He's got you the know? secret. Yeah. He's always like making French horns. Yeah. We've got to talk to him. Yeah. He's bored. 
<laughs> need stuff to do. <laughs> better lathe for four. Better, la- better lathe than never. For 400, this maker of great mouthpieces for trumpet and horn has truly influenced DCI. But one of the coolest things is his magic trumpet mouthpiece that turns your trumpet into a flugelhorn. Carl Hammond. Carl Hammond is the answer. Oh, who is, who, is, Carl who is Carl who Hammond? Who is Carl Hammond? I correct Right. Him. Yeah, who is Carl Hammond? <laughs> he makes great stuff. Carl's great. Yeah, he just lost his dog last week. Um, his dog uh, was always, usually in the shop. Norman, big dog, oh, Storm and Norman. Man. And uh, I was sad oh, to see that. Yeah. Norman was a, that was a good dog. Yeah. All right, better lathe for five. Better lathe than never for 500. He started with trim kits, moved on to mouthpieces, and now oversees a company that makes makes all that and trumpets. It's a long way from Lexmark printers. That's Joey. Uh, who is Peter Pickett? Peter Pickett. Yeah. Who is Peter Too Pickett? Fast. Brian, a little slow on the... Yeah. Brian, the, the game is that as soon as I start the question, you buzz in yeah. and then buy yourself time. Apparently. Right. Yeah. Correct. All right. Where are we going, boys? There's only French, two... Ca- French lit for one. French I have no shot here, but I want to save uh, before <laughs> and after for last. Uh, I think you mean duets. I mean before and I know French. I French. <laughs> French literature for 100. Based on a keyboard sonata, this theme and variations can also be played on the cornet. I won that, didn't I? Yeah, Scarlatti, Scarlatti variations. Yeah, Beach okay. Scarlatti variations, yeah. And yeah, then just printed on big me. paper. He got yeah. you. He got me. Uh, for 200. For 200. This book might be considered the go-to book of etudes to help trumpeters transcend the surly bonds of earth. Oh. Joey. What is Charlie A? Charlie A. Transcendental Etudes. 36 Transcendental Etudes, yes. Great title, <laughs> by the way. I was going to use is. it, but it was already taken. Exactly. Well, you only have uh, 26. you got to write 10 more. I'd have to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. With the French for three. 300. French literature. This Swiss composer was born in France and was a member of Les Six when he wrote this overrated solo that appears on too many lists. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Bringing it all home. Overrated solo. I'm not sure what we're talking about. Uh, French overrated appears on all the lists. Only six. Yeah. Joey, who's Honiger? That's right, Honiger. Oh yeah, he was. Brian, he's killing you. Yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> yes. Let's no stay shot. with the. Let's stay this with the French. Not you. Stay with the French for four. French literature for yeah. four hundred. This work by Ballet is often the first solo played by younger developing players oh, due God. to the fact that it is literally a small undertaking. Oh, Brian. damn it! <laughs> Brian. What is Petite Piece yes, Concertant? Petite Piece Concertant. <laughs> Thank goodness. For 500. I just don't want it to go unnoticed that I gave more credit to Petite Piece Concertant than I did <laughs> the Onager Entrada. For Entrada. <laughs> just didn't want that to be like lost it. on anyone. <laughs> Okay, Overrated French literature movie. for 500. What a highbrow <laughs> evening we're having. Many many like the concerto, but others think the triptych is the way to go. Name this composer. Who's Tomasi? That is correct, Joey. Yep. Who is Tomasi? Uwe. Wow. So fast. <laughs> Uwe, Tomasi. All right, let's go to before and after oh, for Here one. we go. Duets for 100. <laughs> <laughs> While walking the bourbon trail in Kentucky, you run into a pink baby monster. Oh, God. This is the easiest one. (laughs) Maybe you should start backwards. Maybe that would help. Hold on. Hold on. I'm getting there. I've started backwards. It's not helping. Walking (laughs) the bourbon trail, you run into a pink. Well, I did that by accident. (laughs) So I... Let's see. Your, your thumb walking, says you need to answer. Walking the bourbon trail, you run into a pink baby monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I've got something Mark Gould, but I don't yeah. have what's before Mark. Oh, you're going to kick yourself. Makers, makers, Mark, makers Gould. Mark Gould. There it is. There it <laughs> is. Makers, Mark Gould. Do we split that now? <laughs> yeah, you split it. Yep, 90 for Brian and 10 for Joey. From Hold a on a today. second. No, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who, who can't see, because of course it's not a video podcast, Brian has a bottle of Maker's Mark within reach of with, his microphone. On my desk. Of his teaching. Yeah. He does not yeah. flinch, and he's pulling up a bottle of Maker's Mark. Right wow. there, yeah. Gift from a student today. That's, there we go. 
Wow. State schools. Right. So we, well, let's okay. keep going then. I think <laughs> we'll agree to go to before and after for two. <laughs> Duets for 200. One's a gadget that has met with our highest criticism, and the other went from the MET to the ABQ. What? Wait a minute. Is it? I mean, is it literally just Pete Bond? Yes. <laughs> it's Pete. Pete Bond. That's great. Well, That's I like good. that one. I, I like that, that one. one. All right. I was looking for something before Pete, but I was like, wait a minute, it is no, a Pete. Pete is before Pete. Yeah. Yes, Pete. Okay. Yes. Uh, duets right. for 300. Here we go. Before and after for three. A, a very expensive steak meets a principal trumpet player, and Brian thinks both are overrated. Oh my God. Wait, wait. <laughs> Yo, we no, I'm no, in there. Come no, on. I think it, Brian. Oh. <laughs> Ruth Chris. Ruth Baker. Chris Martin. Martin. Chris Ruth Martin. Chris yeah. Martin. <laughs> Wow. That wow. sounds great. It's going to keep coming Get it? back. Because Brian's vegan. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Once it happens, it's always coming back. Yep. Oh, yeah. All right. I might be more proud of this one than any. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rotate these two. All right. For 400, here we go. Before and after. Bef duets. Oh, I almost had you. <laughs> almost had me. <laughs> my, mouth was, my mouth was open. All right. Tom Hanks is on a World War II rescue mission to save a lead trumpet player. And crickets. Well, well no, no, I got it. I, I, I don't have the last name. Um, <laughs> it's from Iowa in Lincoln Center. Mm -hmm. um, yep, he's dialing uh, it in. What's his last name? It, Ryan. Um, what is Ryan's last name? Because I know it's... I, okay, it's going to come to me. Because it's saving private... Ryan, Ryan Kaiser. Kaiser. Oh, Saving right. private Ryan Kaiser. Dual points. There it is. Yeah. We'll, we'll agree to share the prize there. All right. Let's finish it off. I was, Here we that's go. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's right. Duets for 400. Sorry, 500. I flipped it's it. It's before and I was just really, five. I should have done, flipped it anyway. She was married to Dudley Moore, was on Baywatch, and even Sharknado. And he is now the most famous trumpet player to ever walk on the planet. Unbelievable. Who is Susan Anton Weidegger? Yes. <laughs> I'm taking double points for that. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. And game, set, match. <laughs> Joey was nails. Oh, wow. Susan Anton Weidegger. Oh, my God. That's genius. <laughs> that Thank is you. fantastic. Thank you. Very Thank much. Thank you, everyone. Oh my God. Thank Great. you so much. <laughs> How long wow. have you been laughing about that? A couple well, of weeks? I, I wrote it yesterday, so oh, I've been wow. giggling since then. <laughs> uh, today I was teaching a lesson. I just started giggling thinking about it. I'm like, it's Wednesday. <laughs> All right, boys. Well done. Very impressive. And now it's time for a couple things. As teachers, we are on a lifelong quest to deliver the best, most productive information to our students. We research, read, reconcile, we refer, defer, dissect, and disseminate. And we do so with the best interest of our students in mind. But sometimes we encounter some information that we have a hard time understanding. That's right, boys. It's time to talk about questionable pedagogy. Yes. All right. I'm very excited about this topic. I know. This uh, is going to be great. I am probably the biggest, uh, and I use the word fan as sarcastically as possible, <laughs> of questionable, sketchy, bad pedagogy that's out there. So let's just let's just start. Can I start with the most obvious stuff? And I, I just want this to be like a giant warning sign. The yeah. giant warning sign of, you need to study with me so that I can show you the secrets. This is out there. It's like for those of us who are old enough uh, or even, you know, as old as Bill, if you remember those uh, like old Earl Scheib, I'll paint your car for ninety nine dollars things. <laughs> you know, it, it's just the the like the salesmanship of I've got a secret. And once you give me money, I will share it with you. Mm -hmm. This before we even get to what the pedagogy is, is the largest warning sign you're ever going to see in anything, but especially in trumpet pedagogy. Right. right. Love are it. We, are we, are we there? Are we, the are we agreed yeah. there? 
Yeah, yeah snake, of course. snake oil and high notes. Yeah. Yeah. Or what? And anything. Like, I'm going to give you the secret too. What, what do you need to do? It, well, I mean, you're going to have to come study with me, and yeah. then I'll then let you'll you know. in. I'll let you see behind the uh, paywall. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, if it's too good to be true, it probably if it is. Seems, yeah, if it sounds like it's too good to be true, it probably it, is. it's probably garbage. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I know we've talked about, you know, we've talked about the internet thing before and how much information is out there, but, man, it's a ton. The yeah. Sifting through all of it is the is the thing, Yeah. right? being yeah. drawn in by by whatever it happens to be um and so maybe we start with just because it worked for this person or because they said it worked doesn't necessarily mean you should do it right this is what we do in teaching trumpet is teach one-on-one -on -one. now this isn't to say that we don't have things that we rely upon similar methods or even similar uh, things that we'll use with lots and lots of students but the idea is we meet the student where they are and try and move them forward to where they want to go. Mm -hmm. So it, the idea of the teacher's way is one of my ooh, pet peeves. And I see this a lot. I see this a lot in uh, in in jazz education. Frankly, I see a lot of uh, very advanced improvisers that teach what they're doing now, not how they got to where <laughs> oh, they are. Wow, right. Of course. So, yeah, you're, right. so you show up in my studio today and I'm if I'm teaching you what I'm doing now, and you're 15 or you know 22 this probably probably doesn't have a direct you know correlation to what you should be doing now right yeah so uh, the idea is you know yeah let me show you my way you know what you're saying right that this is what worked for me or this is what work is working for me mm -hmm. so this is what you should be doing wow well, that That's also crazy town. Yeah, that also includes the one size fits all thing, right? Well, I'm, I want to separate that out if we could. Right. Let's sure. Just, I want to separate this out into. Uh, well, let's finish here for just a second. Yeah, right? that's fine. Yeah. The the idea of well, I do this, so you should do this. Mm. Yeah, of course. Right. This doesn't make any sense. But separate from that, although a large overlap is, and I want to put this in big giant letters, methods. Hmm. You know, I teach the blank method of trumpet. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to look I want you to look around the world at all of the great trumpet players that you can imagine have heard, listened to, gotten to see live or meet and talk to, and think about the wide variety of different kinds of histories that all of those players bring. We do yeah, have exactly. some of that though, right? We have a couple of things like that. We have the Reinhardt method. Right. Well, but or the Caruso method. Yeah, Reinhardt <sighs> isn't uh -oh. really a method. Was a system. Well, there's a system, but it's not really even a system. It's more of a, a a typing. It's an idea of wow, you're set up this way, so you should watch out for this. Mm. It's mm -hmm. not really a method. Now, the Caruso thing is a, is a, is more of a system, and there are others. There's the Maggio system as well. Yeah, right. There, there are those systems out there. Or, you know, we've talked before in this uh, podcast about schools of trumpet, which are, you know, I studied with this person who was the only one who had all of the secrets of trumpet. So that's, we're the keepers of all of that knowledge, hmm. which is so small because there's so much more out there. In right. every case, as soon as you limit yourself to one thing, You've closed the door to a majority of what's actually out there. Always a bad idea, right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, and I think the important thing here is I think we all do this, but you're teaching the person, not the instrument. Yes, there are a core of fundamental things, but everyone is so different, right? In their background and their approach, their physical setup, music, their musical experience. In what they want to go do. Right. There's also that part, you know, from for a student who comes in and said, I want to, you know, be a principal trumpet player in a major orchestra to a student of saying, I want to work in the studios in L.A. to a student who's like, I want to play on Broadway. It, you know, fundamentally, sure, we want those students to be able to play the trumpet fundamentally well. And there's a large a body of, of fundamentals that apply to everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a but, big overlap. Sure. But but musically speaking, there's going to be a lot of uh, 
different ways to go about going those directions for students who have those very kind of specific goals or students who say, I'd like to be able to do everything. You know, if you're someone that has zero interest of ever playing in an orchestra, then I'm not going to spend a ton of time on sea trumpet and excerpts with you. Right. Because, because right. In, in, the America, in, the, in the American culture, that's the only place we really use sea trumpets uh, exclu- you know, um, for a majority of the work. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to be all that important to somebody who's not going to go do that. Now, if you're saying orchestrals, uh, something you really want to be doing a lot of, then guess what? Sea trumpet should be a huge part of your diet. Otherwise, right. you're not going to be able. You're not going to go in a job. So mm-hmm. you, those kinds of varieties. So if you're stuck in a system of, well, yeah, it's week ten, so we do this. You guys have seen the book uh, Double High C in Thirty Seven Weeks, right? Yeah. This is one of my course, yeah. Own it. Own it. I've got a copy right here in my office. Now, if you read that book, (laughs) of course, the best part of that book is this. It says, okay, if you want to do this, for the next nine months, you only play what's in this book exactly as prescribed. Wow. Now, I have not met anyone that has actually done that. So, Because we have other responsibilities of playing. (laughs) Sure. That's a method. That groups you have to play That's with. That's crazy maybe. town. Yeah. <laughs> right? You don't, you don't need a teacher. You just need this book and only playing this book for the next nine months exactly how prescribed. That's And then then you've got a double high C. Right. Uh, I yeah. don't think so. I'm going to go ahead and call <laughs> malarkey. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things in this is that lots of, lots of followers uh, does not equal great pedagogy. Correct. I just want to say that, you know, like, because it's easy for students to go online and they're following, I follow this guy, my students do all the time, I follow this person, follow that person. And as that, as the momentum builds there, then there's sort of this false credibility, maybe, or that there's this idea that, oh, a lot of people follow this or subscribe to it. So I'm going to, it's, it's a thing. It must sure. be the thing to do. I, I put it this way uh, to friends and students. Uh, just imagine that you tell a million people that you're the best trumpet player in the world. And one percent believes you. You now have ten thousand people that think you're the best trumpet player in the world, just because you told them. Right, right. That's just with one one percent believing you. So if you can just be convincing with your speech, you can get a lot of people to buy in. Right. But that's not the same thing as actually being good. You know, you want to look for actual results, hmm. quantifiable yeah. actual results. I mean, there have been people. Uh, I do remember, I maybe I shouldn't mention this by name, but there was a, a certain method being uh, prompted out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area maybe 10, 15 years ago. And it was saying, all my eighth graders are, you know, playing at a professional level and they're they're winning everything. And, you know, I know people in the, in the Dallas area and I know people down in Texas saying, and I said, is this true? Like, I've never heard of this person. <laughs> But this person right. was putting stuff out on the internet, putting stuff out online, and had a <clears throat> following, and none of it was true. Right. I did finally get a hold of the book involved. There was a book. Oh, yeah? Mm. Yes. And one of my students showed up and said, I thought you might want this. <laughs> have the book. That's good work by the student. That was very good work by that student. <laughs> and I read through the book, which was uh, really, really interesting, and it's, uh, I'll just say, it, just bad pedagogy. It was basically encouraging kind of a big puffing of uh, in the front. You know, you mm. want to set the mouthpiece on two pockets of air. I'm like, oh, that's not going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, bad pedagogy. What, but what about the pedagogy? What about the pedagogy of, look, all you got to do is blow. You just got to take a big breath and just blow. And if you haven't figured out, that's on you. And you just, you're just not going to get it. If You, you just got to keep blowing. You got to use your air right. You got to keep blowing. Like that's the answer. Yeah, but, the thing is, that's not pedagogy at all. That's an abdication of responsibility by a teacher, <laughs> because that's essentially. And there are teachers that say this, and there are there are trumpet players that believe this. That say the only real way anybody gets any good is the, is figuring it out themselves. Ah. And the problem is, there is a, a small amount of truth to that, because there's certainly you do need to figure this part out. If that were really true, then giant pockets of successful trumpet players wouldn't keep coming out of the same places <laughs> where there are good teachers. Right. 
Right. Because certainly great trumpet players come from all over the place, and, and they come from a variety of backgrounds. And f- for some, they may they may hear, hey, man, you just got to blow. And that trumpet player might go, huh. And that clicks something, and it click, and they go, huh, and that's works what that them. is. And then they say, that's what works. You just got to blow. And they say that to other people, and then those other people go, I am blowing. <laughs> right. So that's not really pedagogy, but... If that's what gets a student there, like, you know, the idea of students figuring out for themselves, there's a certain amount of truth in there because every great player at some level with or without help or with with a ton of help down to with very little help did figure that out for themselves. And that's the problem with the shaky pedagogy. Usually there's some grain of truth (laughs) built in, which is then like, well, you're not 100 percent wrong. You might right. be 98% wrong. And then, but yeah, but that too, but that's right. Who could argue with, blow? we are blowing. Why would you tell people not to blow? Yeah, right. but, but. And this is where the, the internet does a terrible job. And we've talked about this and I've written about this. The internet is bad at nuance. Mm. It's very good at, at black or white discussions. It's bad at the nuanced discussion. And teaching trumpet is not a science. Teaching trumpet is an art. Yeah. Uh, so this is an interesting dilemma, right? We've all encountered this. Like a student student comes in and says they're playing something a certain way, and like, well, so you know, you study privately. What does your teacher have you do? And you ask the question, and of course, you sometimes you get like, wow, right? I remember a student a few years back <laughs> brought in the Kennen, right? Had just started the Kennen and was just over hammered down. Like, I'm like, okay, all right, confident, you know. Uh, so what does your teacher have? Well, yeah, so I just got this like two weeks ago, and what my teacher said was to just play through the entire thing as loud as I could possibly play from front to back. Oh, my. Just play the entire movement as loud as I could possibly play it. So I got to find a creative, elegant way to get out of that and suggest something else <laughs> because you don't want to offend the teacher, right? Because sure. it's a prospective student, and you don't want to go back and say, yeah, this guy said you shouldn't have me do this. You know, or 7C is not the best mouthpiece in the world. That's what he said, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But that creates an uncomfortable thing. But, man, I've, I don't know about you guys, but I've heard some crazy stuff over the years about, no, oh, my teacher told me to do this. Absolutely. And then you, you know? say, oh, of course. I understand why you play that way. I mean, I don't say that part out loud. Right. But, uh, yeah, but this yeah, explains that, everything. Right. Yeah. What? How are you working this? And and I do the same. I am not in, interested in fighting with people fighting uh, through students with the other teachers. That's just a bad idea. Right. Sure. So the idea, what, uh, when confronted with that, like, wow, that's interesting. I want to try you something. It might be a little different than your teacher's doing, and there let's see if this works. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, hey, leave it here. Right. Yep. Right? But yeah, always in the positive, right? Always, always stay in the positive. positive. Try, try this, or I've had some success with people doing this particular thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, and who knows, with something like for that as an example, and I'm not trying to defend anyone, maybe that student up until that point had just not been putting out any sound at all, and the teacher's like, tell you what, just play it as loud as you can just to get some sound out. It's certainly a possibility, and then they get some sound out, and then, okay, now let's dial that in. Right. You know, so you always got to think, okay, what if this, what if that was a good idea, now what? Because, again, teaching is always about evolving. You know, evolving, yes. okay, now you've gotten to this point, now we're going to do this. Now we've gotten to this point. Now we're going to do this. Again, that's why it's not a science, which is why methods, one size fits all, doing what I do, all of those things are just terrible ideas for every student. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let, let's do it. Let's talk about some of the crazy stuff we've heard. Okay. Let's give a couple yeah. examples, right? Because we, we've had some pretty good laughs about some interesting stuff, right? And this, this summer during the retreat, I want to use this as an example of vague, at least vague, if not bad pedagogy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Get us we there. decided to apply this to trumpet playing, right? We're talking about playing the trumpet and riding bikes. And Joey says, the ride's not over till you get off the bike. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because, because that right there. <laughs> That's gold in, in the studio. In, 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 <laughs> if you say that in a master class and there's 100 people there, there's going to be a, a percentage of those people who are like, that's so deep. Exactly. See, you really gotta you really gotta get in it. You gotta understand that. And that means nothing. It, it doesn't means mean anything. Absolutely nothing. But boy, if you say it convincingly enough, people are like, yeah, 
Steve, you don't understand that. You just don't get it. And then you're on the outside. Right. And you say, and you're very convincing, and you nod, and people are like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly right. what it means. Yeah, totally. Inspired masterclass. That's, that's right with the, uh, you know, playing the trumpet is like wrestling a gorilla. Right? You don't quit when you're tired. You quit when the gorilla's tired. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I've often felt that way. Yeah, listen, you don't chase your dreams. You walk after them until they get tired and lay down. <laughs> wow. I don't have to be faster than the lion. I just have to be faster, faster than you. Than you. <laughs> All right. But I think a great way to put a cap on this is the most vague pedagogy we've heard in a long time. Are you ready? Because here it comes. Because we saw a Facebook post on this. Yeah, and I'm, right. And I'm going to do it. You cook it until it's done. <laughs> yeah this goes along with hey, let, let's 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 take this to a more this is why i hate place. cookbooks i don't i don't think most people think about when they when they say things like that because if you've lost your keys in your house what is a phrase everybody says well it's always in the last place you look well of course because once <laughs> no you find kidding. them you stop looking there's no, right. you wouldn't keep looking after you found them. If you found them in the second place you looked, that was the last place you looked. If you found them in the fifth place you looked, that'll be the last place you look. So of course it's in the last place you look because after you find it, you're done. You're so, done looking. Right. So the idea of cook it till it's done is just exactly that. It's another one of those things that it's, it's meant to sound deep when it has absolutely no meaning at all. But yet, how many people jumped on Lots. and said, oh yes fantastic yeah it's what i needed yeah but here's the, the best part let's, a, let's, let's apply that literally so sure. let's say you're cooking um a steak no offense to you personally brian so <laughs> twice isn't, in one night isn't knowing when it's done exactly the most important part of cooking yes so if you just cook it until it's done the next question is how do i know it's done yeah because boy, if you just leave that steak on there until you're sure it's done, you've overcooked that steak. And then nobody wants that. That right. steak should be a really nice medium rare. Mm. And I'll remind you, I did bring you steak to the retreat. He did. That's, and we that's cooked that's them actually. perfectly. You yes. cooked them perfectly. I, I'm not I, a good cook. I did not I did not cook those. And ate them in front of you. Yes. And that that we did do. We did do that. That's absolutely right. Yeah. But that was a perfect, right, that was the thing that kind of got this conversation started initially, yes. was this was the perfect thing that was saying nothing to say, to try to say everything, and then having a whole bunch of people jump on and go, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, man, that says it all. What does that say? What does that say? You <laughs> practice it until you think that it's practiced enough, so well, you don't over-practice it? Until it's done. What about over-practicing it? Is that possible? Yes. Yeah. Overpracticing is definitely possible. But how do you know it's done? Well, that's when you Unless stop it cooking hurts. it. <laughs> when it's charred, that's when you stop. The ride's not over till you get off the bike. Yeah, or or something <laughs> that everybody all students must do this to be good players. <clears throat> you know, must do right. this activity, use this breathing bag, use uh, this this mouth this mouthpiece you know Everybody this mouthpiece needs exercise C and a breathing yeah. bag and, yeah. or you need this mouth this exercise in your mouthpiece or you must you must be able to do this uh, free buzzing exercise in order to be a good player yeah. right. like all of these things like will help some people who need help by doing the thing that those things address mm -hmm. but they don't they're not going to necessarily help everyone. Right. I just had this a very similar discussion this week. I had a student come in, a very good student, uh, who came in, sat down, and said, I need to be honest with you. I am not prepared this week. <laughs> I said, tell me what's going on. And it's this and this and this and this and this and this. I said, great, listen, I'm much more concerned that you're playing the trumpet well. Yes, we use a lot of these uh, exercises, etudes, solos, and I, and I think they're important to learn. But at the end of the day, you know, and by the end of your career, if you don't know Bordoni number seven, you can still be a great trumpet player. Right. I'm much more concerned that you're playing trumpet well. So let's talk about that 
uh, let's get your home. And we did a bunch of reading. I actually took out a Vern Reynolds book, uh, 48 Etudes, which I haven't mm. used a lot lately. When mm-hmm. oh, let's do yes. some really, let's do some weird reading because you know that's that's some uh, different tonalities and some different time signatures. And said, all right, take a look at this. Let's work through this. Let's just take this. Let's take a lesson and read, because the idea that listen, I think a lot of us uh, use the same kinds of exercises with lots and lots and lots of students. You know, I use the Clark book with just about everybody. I use Arvin's book with, I use a lot of the same solos and etudes because they're really good teaching tools, but that's not nearly as important as what they're delivering. Right. Right. So what you're talking about, like, so the idea that everybody has to play Brant number one, no, that's not right. important. Yeah. That's a piece that can be right. on the path. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. We've talked yeah, about this. Yeah, it can be in the right place for the right for the right person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we talked about this before too, right? The lesson where someone comes in and says, "I'm not ready," or "I didn't practice this," or whatever. You know, so you could throw them out, or you could say, "Well, we're not going to meet today." But great pedagogy is no, we're going to work on this because yeah. this is something we can work on in this current state or Here's under these circumstances. Yeah, right. yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, well, most of this is just so you're, you know, come on, be aware of what you're hearing and what you're saying, right? The way you frame things up and the way you provide the information. So for teachers, make sure that what you're saying is, you know, vague stuff is really cool, but we need good information. We got to be concise. <laughs> and we need clear. Clear. Be we need better pedagogy, man. All right, cool, boys. Time for no offense. Look, we know the world's full of information. Let's just agree that we need to check it out and consider that it might be questionable pedagogy. Ask a friend. Hey, send us an email. We'll be glad to help. But if you're trusting everything, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yes, be discriminating, be discerning, be skeptical. It will help you in the long yes. run. Yes. Healthy skepticism. I mean, look at Brian. He doesn't right? believe anything. He doesn't trust anyone. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> He doesn't believe anything. He thinks none of it works. Yeah. And look he's, where it's got it's him. It's all bogus. He, he started, he's starting to believe that practice works. I think he's buying in. <laughs> Finally. It's the only path. Exactly. Well, listen, that'll do it for today. Thanks for joining us on another hour you will never get back. Stay tuned. Tell your friends and neighbors. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.